Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet church service. I'm so happy that you're here. I believe that God will nourish your spirit with His Word today. We are not designed just to live by fruit and vegetables and, and bread and potatoes and steak or whatever it might be, but we have to feed our spirit by the living Word of God. And that's what we're going to do today. As we begin, let's first honor the Lord with the tithes and offerings. You know, that's a part of worship. And we need to always worship the Lord with our finances and put Him first. Bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. Now, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Well, we just move over one chapter, chapter 13, and we really see the blessing, the empowerment to prosper, kicking on all cylinders in the life of Abram. Genesis chapter 13, verse 1, Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Three really very viable and solid commodities that even today, thousands of years later, would be really good to have in your portfolio. Praise God. But nevertheless, my friends, we see that the blessing of God was over Abram's life, and he was also a tither. And it's really tithing that opens the windows of heaven over your life. Tithing is the act that qualifies you to experience the open heaven. What is tithing? Bringing 10% of your income, or even if it's not income, let's say you received an inheritance, 10% of that, bringing the tithe, that's what tithe is, 10%, bringing it into the house of God. Now here's what's fascinating about tithing, and about God's prosperity plan for your life. If you only know the promise, but you don't know the condition, then the heavens stay closed, even for believers. I think it's very important for you now to stop and relax and kind of like chew this, chew on this just a little bit. God's prosperity plan for your life is not capital N O T is not based on a promise. And that's something for a long time many in the church have not understood. And I want to say it again God's prosperity plan for you, the believer, the Christian, is not based on a promise. There are things in God's Word that are promises that you can believe them, claim them, receive them, and they start working in your life. God's prosperity plan is absolutely not like that. It's based on a covenant, okay? And a covenant is an agreement that is defined with easy-to-understand terms that two people come into agreement over, and it's sealed with an oath. And here's the thing, with a, with a covenant, when you come into a financial covenant with God, when you uphold your end of the deal, 
when you do the part that qualifies you, then God does His part. But God will not do His part until you do your part. And when you've done your part, now you obligate God to the integrity of His Word to do what He said He would do. And the covenant is thus enforced. Praise the Lord. This, this is really fascinating. Tithing qualifies you for the open heaven. Tithing is the anchor of the financial covenant. Can you get to heaven without tithing? Yes. You can get to heaven and, and really miss it on a lot of things. But can you come into the fullness of the financial blessing that God has for you without being a tither? I don't believe so. Because tithing is an act of faith done in love. And if you're not tithing, there will be something undeveloped in your faith. And if you're not tithing, there's also going to be something missing in your love walk with God. Because really when you love the Lord, I tell you what, your heart opens up and your, your wallet, your purse, your checkbook, your savings account opens up and you want to honor the Lord. Tithing qualifies you for the open heaven. I think what happens today in the church today, I'm, I'm speaking from a pastor's perspective of the Western church, uh, America, maybe uh, parts of Europe, but really, really, uh, this is America primarily. I think when uh, American hist uh, Christians hear the word qualify, they immediately, they immediately think legalism. Oh, we don't have to qualify for anything, Pastor Stephen. We're under grace. Jesus qualified us for what He did on the cross. I understand grace, that it's not by works, but it's by what Jesus did for us. But you cannot eliminate certain responsibilities that you and I have as a believer, somehow thinking that if we don't do them, God's grace will somehow cover that, and we still just come on in. Well, I just believe, Pastor Stephen, that I'm, I'm qualified, based on what Jesus did for me, for a paycheck at the end of every week, even if I didn't, we, uh, even if I didn't work. Well, I don't, think, I don't think your boss is going to agree with that definition of grace. He's going to agree with, you qualify for a paycheck if you work. If you put the hours in and put the time in and do what you were told to do, you're going to get a check at the end of that. This is not about legalism. This is just about a system that God set up that works. It's very, very simple. Praise God. The financial package that God has for you, the covenant of financial blessing that God has for you that worked in the life of Abraham, is anchored to tithing. Abram was a tither, and you see by chapter 13, it's already heavy producing in his life. It'll also heavy produce in your life, regardless of where you live, what state you live in, what country you live in, what skin color you have. It dismisses all excuses and works for the one who will work it. Praise God. That's why I want to encourage you. I get these emails. Pastor Stephen, should I play the lottery? No, don't, don't play the lottery. Don't play the lottery. Don't do crazy things like that. Work work the system. Enter into a financial covenant with God. Always tithe, always tithe, and work the principles of seed time and harvest. I'm telling you, you'll go to the top just like Abram did. And it doesn't take long for this to really kick in and start working. Praise the Lord. But tithing is what qualifies you for the open heaven, where that God's pouring out continual blessing. Let me see if I can illustrate this from a natural example. Uh, maybe you watch the Olympics. Sometimes I do. I, I watch the 2016 Olympics. We've got 2020 
right around the corner. And, uh, you know, I've watched previous Olympics. I like watching the men's track and field. And uh, maybe you just think, well, you know, the fastest runners just show up. No, it doesn't work like that. Uh, the fastest guys on the team, remember, if you want to make the U.S. Olympic track and field team, they're only taking the top three fastest people in each event. Fastest three in the men's, fastest three in the women's. That's it. They don't take the top ten. Only the top three fastest are put on that team. Well, I, how do you get on the team? You have to qualify. There's a qualifying standard for each event. If you want to be invited to the Olympic trials so that you can compete because out of the Olympic trials, three, the three fastest will be selected and will, they will be put on the U.S. Olympic team. If you just want to get to the trials, you can't just show up. Well, I feel that by grace I should show up. No, grace doesn't work like that. You show up if you meet the qualifying standard. I just feel like, Pastor Stephen, God should just bless me and pour down all kinds of wealth on my life. No, no, it doesn't work like that. You have to qualify and meet the covenant standard. For instance, if you want to be able to compete in the men's U.S. Olympic track and field trials, you feel you're fast, well, you're going to have to meet the qualifying standard. You're going to have to run the 100 meters at least faster than 10.16 seconds. 10.16. That's the qualifying standard. Well, I, I did 10.20. Well, that's great. And I know you may feel like you're fast, but you're just not fast enough. <laughs> and that is 10.2 is pretty fast, but you didn't qualify. And so you, you're not invited to the trials. Well, I feel I should be there. Well, if you didn't meet the standard, you're not going to be allowed in. They will dismiss you and show you the, the way out. You have to meet the standard. And then even when you meet the standard, then of course only the three fastest are going to go. See, same thing with the marathon. 26.2 miles. There is an Olympic standard for the men's marathon that if you feel like you'd like to really be on the Olympic team, well, you're at least going to have to run it through the Olympic trials. And to get to the Olympic trials, the qualifying time that you must have already performed somewhere in a certified marathon is two hours in 15 minutes. Pastor Stephen, that's pretty good. I ran two hours and 19 minutes. I feel I should be able to compete. Well, you can go compete somewhere else, but you can't compete in the Olympic trials. Because unless you run two hours and 15 minutes, you're not invited. And if you sh if show up, you're not, you're not going to be allowed to run. You have to meet the qualifying mark. What qualifies you to come into open heavens. What qualifies for you to come into the lifestyle that Abram was experienced with the blessings really working and he's a tither and all of these things are taking place. Well you need to engage God in a financial covenant and you need to be a tither. It's tithing that opens it up. The windows of heaven flowing in your life and it's perpetual tithing that keeps it open. Glory to God. And then it's working principles of seed time and harvest Sowing and reaping, giving and receiving. And as you do that, the cattle start showing up, the livestock start showing up, silver, gold, whatever, whatever it is that is your commodity, dollars or euros or, or you know, yen or whatever it might be, uh, it, it starts showing up. Praise God. It starts increasing. Praise the Lord. But my friends, that's how you come into it. This is not accidental. This is not just random chance, works for some, works for others. No, that's called the lottery. Don't want anything to do with anything that's not fair. God's fair. Work his, his principles, engage Him on a covenant platform, and it'll work for you. It eliminates all guesswork. 
Praise God. Rock solid. All the time. Works in any country. Works in any environment. You'll start going up. That's you. Praise God. And as a tither, you will never, ever, ever, hear me, you will never, ever, ever run out of divine ideas. The ideas just keep coming. They just keep flowing. Why? You're a tither. And the windows of heaven are open over your life, and blessing, and favor, and increase, and ideas, and just open doors. It just, it just keeps flowing. It keeps flowing. And it keeps flowing all the time. Glory to God. That is because you're a tither. You tithe with faith, and you tithe in love because you want to see God's work continue so that the lost may be saved, that the church may be strengthened and have the Word of God put into them, and because you have, any, you have an, a heart for the kingdom. Praise the Lord. All right, so that's just in a little nutshell why we should be tithers, and also how to get into God's financial covenant. Woo! Look, if you're linked up with God, you're not going under because He can't go under. Um, you know, I, I know that some people, they, they were real happy, and it, you know, I, I, can, I can understand it. I've, I've heard government workers say, you get one of these jobs, and you'll always be okay, because you can't go under unless the government goes under, and it's not likely the government goes under. Well, the government didn't go under, but um, there was, um, uh, you know, what, what, what do we call it? We had the, um, the government shutdown, <laughs> and they didn't get paid. Well, I know when the shutdown is over, the U.S. government starts back up again. They'll, they'll give those federal workers, you know, back pay and, and make up for that. But God never, ever has a shutdown, ever, ever. If you're in a financial co covenant with Him, He's more stable than any government, than any country, than anything. He, he's just... He is just unfailable, and that's who you are connecting yourself with when you come into a financial covenant with Him, and it's anchored on tithing. Praise God. Father, bless Your people today as they're honoring You with their tithes and their offerings. We thank You, Father God, that they, honor, that they are on a rock-solid platform, and they're going higher and higher in You. And we thank You, Father God that the increase of your kingdom and of your government, there's no end. And so your people are continually expanding and increasing on all fronts. Now, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you're mailing your tithes and offerings in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, zip code 28655. Four. If you want to bring the tithes and offerings in online, you can do so anytime, day or night. Just visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tides and Offerings, Sow and Reap. You can go there right now and bring them in into the storehouse of the Lord. And you're blessed, and you're going up, and you're expanding and increasing in every area of your life. And that most certainly includes your finances. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord forever. All right, let's jump into today's message. Let's move to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's talk about faith. Let's talk about one of the various aspects of faith, which would be obtaining promises. Now, these are things you can obtain, that they are promises. God extends before you. You can believe it, receive it, take it, 
and it starts to come forth in your life. Let's talk about this today. Glory to Jesus. We are going to begin in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. And we ask Father that as we go into your word there be activation, quickening by your spirit that the eyes of our heart be illuminated that we can see the truth of your word and that we can walk in it today in Jesus name. Amen. Something's going to drop into your spirit today from heaven. Get ready. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I know that there are things that you're hoping for. If you already had it, you don't really need hope for it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not hoping for a, a lemon. I've already got one. So I, I, I'm not hoping. Why, why do you hope for something you already have? That's, that's what faith is. It's not yet manifested. So you have this hope. And this is not like just some kind of like a wild hope. Like I, you know, I hope I win the uh, publisher clearinghouse sweepstakes. I, I just hope I win it. No, there's you got all kinds of people hoping stuff like that. that. That's that's the kind of hope that disappoints you. That is a natural hope, but this is a hope that comes from God, that's anchored on the Scriptures. Glory to God! And so, thus, we have a hope that will not disappoint. Now, faith is the substance of things hope for. And I, I know that you have things that you're hoping for with this supernatural hope. And it's that hope that makes you happy that God's going to do it. And there's an excitement. And th- there's a supernatural hope, a joy that today is my day. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence or the proof of things not seen. It's the evidence of things not seen. Well, I can't, I can't see it, Pastor Stephen, so I must not have it. No, the, the, the fact that you can't see it with faith is the evidence that is actually something that you already have by faith. Very, very interesting. Well, I can't see it. Well, that's just okay. That's how faith works. We walk by faith, not by sight. You don't need to see it. After all, do you really need faith for something that you can see? Pastor Stephen, I'm believing for a coffee mug. And if I could just see it. Well, if, if you can see it, you've already got it. Glory to God. There it is. I, I don't need faith for something that's, that I can see, and, and there it is. No, these things that you hope for, these things that you can't see, that's what you're using your faith for. Praise God. It's for the things that we're pulling in from the invisible realm into the natural realm where you can say, there it is, it's now manifested. And of course, when it's manifested, you don't need your faith anymore on that. You can go on to another project. I don't, I, I don't have faith for a notebook. I'm just believing God for a notebook. I'm not doing that. Why? I've got one. I've got one right here. Praise God. So you're, you're not exercising faith for something that's already there. See, that's where some Christians miss it. They just go around all the time speaking those things that already are the way that they already are. I'm like, it doesn't take any faith to do that. Well, I feel sick today. Well, that didn't take a lot of faith to say that. I mean, if, if, if you're sick or you're, you're already in a situation like that, it doesn't take any faith to agree with that. It does, however, take faith to agree with the Word of God and call those things that be not as though they already were. Now that, my brother or sister, that takes faith. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Let's continue on. By the way, verse 6, 
it says it is impossible to please God without faith. So, you know, the subject of faith is not like a side subject. Well, Pastor Stephen, just talk about that over on the side. Preach something else. What's well, a major subject? You can't even get saved without faith. Glory to God. And this Hebrews chapter 11 really is what some have called the Hall of Faith. You know, you have a Hall of Fame. I've walked down the, the hallways of many studios, and they'll have pictures on the wall of some of their greatest moments in their history. And same thing with uh, sporting events, with coliseums, maybe an athletic facility. You walk down the hallway where the team will walk out into the uh, arena. You go past all of the pictures and all of the things that, that give credence to all of the victories they've won before. It is a hall of fame. Well, Hebrews chapter 11 is a hall of faith. These are people, men and women, who accomplished amazing things because they used their faith to believe God that what God said He would do, He would actually do it. And they took a hold of that, and they believed God, and now they are in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. And I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by you taking a hold of a word from God spoken to you, that you are called by the Lord to extend this 11th chapter. That when you get to heaven, you find yourself also in the hall of faith as a person who dared to believe God, and you took God's Word as truth, you clung to it, you said, it must come to pass, O oh God, because you spoke it, and you hang on to it, and you hang on to it, and after a period of time, that thing breaks through in your life, and you've got your blessing, you've got your promise, you've got your miracle, just like those received in the Bible. Praise the Lord. I've always loved verse 11, by faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, it actually says in the Weymouth translation, by faith even Sarah, with an emphasis, even Sarah. In other words, a woman who was married to a man of faith, Abram, of course, having great faith, but Sarah laughed when she heard the promise that she would have a child even in her old age. And it wasn't a laugh like, oh, hallelujah, I believe it. No, it was, a, it was a laugh like, yeah, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. And the Lord heard it, and told, told her husband that uh, she had laughed. He went back and told Sarah, uh, Abram told Sarah, you laughed at what the Lord said. No, I didn't. He goes, yes, you did. He heard it too. Woo, hallelujah. But you know what? Later, later she thought, you know what? I'm just going to believe God. He said it. He's done all these other miracles. I'm going to believe God. And that's why Hebrews 11, 11, by faith, by faith, even Sarah, even she got her miracle. And if Sarah can get her miracle of having a child in her very, very old age, I believe that if she could pull it off and get her miracle, I believe certainly that you can get yours too. After all, she was the lady that laughed at God. I believe that God is going to give you a miracle. 
I believe that God is going to give you a word. And as you take a hold of that word, it is going to produce something significant in your life that is hall of faith caliber. Praise God. Praise God today. The Lord is working. The Lord is working. By the way, you'll notice if you read through it slowly, Hebrews chapter 11, not, not every case is like this, but most of the cases of the individuals listed in this chapter, the reason they're in this chapter is because God said something to them, what God said, they heard it, and they believed it, and they held on to it, and then it came to pass. But so much of it hinges on having heard a word from God. Noah, build me an ark. Okay, he builds an ark, and God gives him this amazing word, and now he's in Hebrews chapter 11. It's hearing a word from the Lord, and you can get the word from the Bible, you can also get the word from the Holy Spirit, you could get the word um, uh, real, real strong through a, a prophecy, and, and sometimes God will confirm that with either two or three witnesses. I, I tell you what, God will give His word to you, and you could get it through a vision, a supernatural encounter, but when the word comes, faith comes, and strength comes, glory to God. And you know what? It's a gift. Faith in your heart is a gift from God. Faith in your heart is a gift where you just suddenly now, because you have heard the word, you just suddenly realize, I have the ability to actually believe that God is going to do this. Now, it doesn't mean that your best friend does. It doesn't mean that your neighbor does. And it doesn't mean that the person who sits behind you in the church pew does. But for some reason, the word was spoken to you. And now you believe that God can actually do this thing in your life. Why? He said he would do it. And now what has happened? The gift of faith has exploded on the inside of you. Do you realize what kind of a gift that is? where you actually can sit down with a good conscience and say, I believe with all of my heart that God is actually going to do this thing. Well, where did that come from? That came from God. It's a gift. And I believe that God can give you that word. God can give you that promise. And that faith comes alive. Where is that faith coming from? It comes from God. Now, He's given you the measure of faith. That, that, that word contacts that measure of faith, and it just explodes on the inside of you. Why? That's what He spoke to you. And what a gift that is. See, you don't need to do everything under the sun. Can I give you a revelation? You don't have time. You don't have time to do everything that's in this Bible. If you live to be a thousand years old, you don't have time to do everything that's in this Bible. But you do have time to fulfill the specific assignment that God has for your life. You've got time for that. And when you stay focused on that, and you see these promises that God gives you, and you go after that, and faith is alive, you will do all that God has called you to do. Praise the Lord. But I tell you, that ability to believe God when others don't see how you can do it, when others are just in doubt about things like that. But somehow you're just like, I believe with all of my heart. Glory to God. 
you know what I believe that such faith is not only in your spirit because faith is of the heart okay and I know when it's talking about the heart it's talking about the inner man the spirit of man but look I also believe that when faith is that strong it gets imprinted in your natural heart and they have done autopsies on great saints throughout the centuries saints that had such a reverence for God such a deep love for God where they, they, they loved the cross and the power of the cross and what Christ accomplished on the cross to the point that when they had died and doctors examined their heart there was the cross imprinted on their heart and many other such manifestations praise the Lord glory to God why do you have such a desire along that line it's something that's in your heart and they have also found out when they've done heart transplants that the donor that the heart was taken from from somebody that died maybe it was a person a young person that died in an accident a car accident or something they take the donor's heart and they put it into the person who's still alive who needs a heart transplant they have noticed that when the heart is transplanted from another person that the person who was alive begins to have desires for the same thing that the person who previously had the heart that died that was in them it's it's moved over that's the most amazing thing from certain types of food to certain types of drinks to certain dislikes to certain likes why it was it's actually imprinted in even the physical heart now faith is in the human heart but I tell you what I, I, I think it can even touch your physical heart where there's a pull of everything within you glory to God because you believe God's going to do it you believe with, with all of your guts that God's going to do it praise the Lord Woo, thank you Lord Jesus that's why back in the, the medieval, uh, medieval ages the great kings of Europe when they died their body parts their innards would be sectioned off but their heart would always be planted in the place they loved the most where he had his rule and he had his kingship that's where his heart would be buried at and you know the nobility back in the medieval ages if there was a certain place that people didn't like you certain uh, place within your kingdom where they gave you a lot of trouble that's where you sent you know your bowels and all of your you know the all of the the yucky stuff you send that to them all of the innards all, all of the you know the things that the bile was passed through send that to them <laughs> but your heart always went to where the area where you loved the most praise the Lord glory to God thank you Lord Jesus hallelujah so these people in Hebrews chapter 11 so many of them received a word that word exploded within their spirit within their heart they believed that God would actually do it they dared to believe it and they walked it out and God did it and so here they are and you can do the same thing and you can extend this hall of faith well there's your plaque on the wall with your testimony with your story that you believe God and thus it was accomplished praise the Lord now Hebrews chapter 11 verse 32 and what more shall I say for the time would fail to tell me for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah where he's referencing the great judges uh, referred to in the book of Judges also of David and Samuel of course being prophets and the other and the other prophets now verse 33 who through faith ah all of these things that are mentioned 
all of these Hebrews chapter 11 people, they did all of these things through faith. That's why you need to understand what faith is, how it works, how you can work with God because you can't please God without faith, and you can do great things too. You sure can. Who through faith, not a hoping and a wishing, not a begging and a crying, not a squalling and a bawling, no, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Well, that's pretty impressive. Subdued kingdoms? Wow. That, that's pretty big. You subdue a kingdom, you're going you're gonna to affect everybody uh, in that whole kingdom. Amazing. Wow. Praise the Lord. Well, see, there, you, you'd have to have faith to do that. Somehow, God put faith in the heart of that man or woman to subdue an entire kingdom. And they did it. Wow. Praise the Lord. Worked righteousness. I like that, especially in areas of of wickedness, to work righteousness when there's wickedness going all around. Faith to do that. Now look at this in verse 33, obtain promises. I want to come back to that. Others it says that through faith stopped the mouths of lions. Okay, so either an angel was sent, suddenly the lion's not hungry, or the lion just can't eat, or he's all like sedated and relaxed supernaturally. But for whatever reason, you were supposed to have been eaten by a lion, and you weren't eaten. And not only that, you got off the hook, and your adversaries, they got fed to the lions. How about that? Praise the Lord. Well, that, that has happened. How? Through faith. So Daniel and others, down in the lions did, just God put that faith in them. I'll protect you. Believe me. Okay, I'll trust you, Lord. And that, that, see, that's a gift. You can't fabricate that. You, you cannot fabricate somebody else's word for them. Don't, don't do that. But what God told you, you can believe. Because God gives that as a gift where you can believe Him. Mm. If God told you to believe Him, and yet you could not believe Him, thus that would mean God's unjust. Because he's being unjust and unfair to ask you to do something that you can't do. But if God gives you the word, then that faith will come alive. And that is a gift where you can actually believe that he's going to do it. And it could just drop into you. You can hear a message preached. You can hear a sermon uh, preached. You can hear somebody else's testimony. And boom, God explodes it in you. And you know God's going to do it for you too. Hallelujah. And that's, that's that power of a testimony. That's that power of the Word. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Quench the violence of fire. Well, that happened with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thrown into the fire, completely un- unhurt. And that has happened throughout church history, many times. I, I would honestly say thousands of times. I don't say that trying to over-exaggerate either. I, I mean, I've got books on miracles, and it's just stuff like that happening over and over and over again. Praise the Lord. A people being delivered from fire, and the fire can't hurt them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the strangers. Okay, became valiant in battle. I like that. Going in the battle, feeling like a normal person, 
and then the supernormal gift of faith come on you. God give you a, a, a word. God, God place in, within you the, the, the gift of being able to believe that you can be mighty. And coming out of that as being a mighty warrior. Praise the Lord. Turn to flight the armies of the strangers. Verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. I want to come back to that. Others were tortured not accepting deliverance. That they may obtain a better resurrection. That they might obtain a better resurrection. Okay. That, that's fine. You want a martyr's crown. You can go that route if you want to do that. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes and of chains and imprisonment. Okay. Let's go back to verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. Amazing. Amazing. There's something about being in front of a dead person where you realize for that person to be raised back to life, this is the God realm. This is not something you can whoop up and say, let's get energetic here and raise this person up. No, that won't move that. Just looking at a dead body the only way you can go into a realm like that of seeing resurrection life is by the Spirit transporting you into that realm. And by God, through the Holy Spirit, giving you a word, giving you a word. And see, it says in verse 33, obtain promises. There were those who obtained promises through faith. And so the, obviously there were women who were given the promise that their dead would be raised to life again. And they took hold of that promise and that dead person who belonged to them, maybe a child, maybe a, a husband, was raised back to life from the dead. Perhaps you heard of the dramatic testimony of the Nigerian pastor, Pastor Daniel, that happened in 2001. What a story. What a story. Uh, Pastor Daniel uh, was driving home one day in his car, and the brakes went out. He had a Mercedes Benz. I don't know why the brakes went out. Maybe he didn't have it serviced or something like that. Obviously something wasn't right. His house was at the bottom of a hill. There were some pylons along the way on this steep descent so that if you lost control for whatever reason, at least you could crash into a pylon instead of just going full speed all the way to the bottom and then having something much more traumatic. Well, he's fighting the car, going down the hill, picking up speed, going faster and faster. Brakes don't work, pumping the brakes and nothing's happening. And swerves into a pylon, has a tremendous collision. Um, his chest impacts the steering wheel. All kinds of things are broken. And the last thing that he remembers was seeing blood poured out of his nose, blood all over the place. And, uh, and so he, he remembers that. And so they, they, they gather around people that witnessed it and they get him quickly to a hospital. They get him to the first hospital and he tells the doctor, tells his wife, I want to go to my doctor, my general practitioner doctor, who's over in a different city. And the doctor says, oh no, that's, that's crazy. You, you can't do that. You know, you, you're, you're on the edge of life. We don't want to transport you. 
um, but he said, I, I must go to the other hospital. And so the wife said, well, he really wants to go, so I'll sign an affidavit. If he, you, you know, if he doesn't make it, he, you know, releasing you from, releasing the doctor from any responsibility or liability. So they put him in an ambulance, and they move him to a different hospital. While he is in the ambulance being transported, he sees two angels come into the ambulance. Now his wife is riding in the ambulance with him, and he sees two, two angels come into the ambulance, and he wants to say that he sees two angels, but uh, one of the angels does like this. In other words, don't say anything about it. And suddenly, uh, this pastor, he goes mute, and he can't say anything else, uh, because the angel silenced him. And the angel takes him up out of his body. They, they lift his spirit up out of his body, and those two angels take Pastor Daniel to heaven. Now his body is still being transported to this other hospital. Okay, so he is taken out of his body by the two angels. He's taken to heaven. When he gets to heaven, he's handed off by the two angels to one angel. And it's that one angel who's going to give him a tour of heaven and also hell. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Well, his body is laying in the ambulance. His wife is in the ambulance she sees that he's not responsive. She's very concerned. They reach the other hospital and uh, get him out of the hospital. You know, excuse me. They get him into the hospital. The medical doctor there, well-trained man, examines him, uh, does all the things that a person would examine for life, uses the medical equipment to try to detect life in various ways, and after a thorough search, pronounces him dead. Signs a death certificate, and, and you know, if you, if you watch the video of it, you'll see it was a very, uh, as any doctor would do, a very detailed examination. Not just a quick look, check the pulse, oh, he's not here, check him off. No, very, very examined, going through all the, the, um, the list of what you must do, and all, you know, me medically, by checking physically, and checking with medical equipment, but he's dead. Since uh, for the wife, the wife comes in, she tells him, uh, the doctor says, your, your husband's dead. Gives him a death certificate signed by the medical doctor, and says, you need to take him now to a, a mortuary, and prepare, prepare him for burial. And she's, you know, weeping and crying, and says, this can't be, and goes through this great, this great thing, but, but now watch this. God gave the wife a promise earlier that year that this year you will not lose any loved ones. You will not have any loss in this area. And she said, God, this cannot be, because at the beginning of this year, you told me that I'm not going to have any loss of my loved ones, and so my husband is now dead? She said, you're going to have to override this. I'm not going to accept this. And she began to seek the Lord, and this is also what she got verse 35 of Hebrews chapter 11, women received their dead raised to life again. What is this? This is also connecting with verse 33, those who obtain promises. Those who obtain promises. So she is banking all of her trust on the Lord that she's going to obtain promises. Number one, that she will not have any loss of life in her family this year, and that number two, women received their dead raised to life again. Praise the Lord. Well, she 
talks with her father, and they take uh, Pastor Daniel's dead body uh, with the death certificate to the mortuary where he is prepared for embalming. Yes, he was dead for three days and three nights, and he was embalmed. Fascinating. Fascinating. Look, some of you are trying to obtain promises that are on a much smaller level. But whatever God gives you as a promise, He gives faith to believe for that. Can you see why this is such a gift? That you actually can believe God for this thing? Now, don't, don't be surprised if others can't. Why? God didn't give them that promise. Maybe they don't even need that promise. But He gave it to you, and you can actually obtain it. How? Through your faith. It is a phenomenal gift from God. Okay, so she's using her faith. She's using her faith. And um, her husband uh, is dead, has now been embalmed. The body is laying in the morgue. At midnight, there at the morgue, all kinds of worship music began coming out of the, uh, out of the, uh, mor- out of the morgue. And the mortician went down there thinking, is there a church close by having a worship service at midnight? And with great holy terror, he went, he went up to the mortuary, didn't even want to go in, and heard all this praise and worship coming out, and it terrified him. The next morning, he got, got in contact with a wife and said, get, get your husband's corpse out of here, because I, I can't handle stuff like this. I cannot handle stuff like this. And so, um, they took him out. They took him out, and they put his body in a casket. And it was then that, that the wife realized that Reinhard Bonnke was hosting a crusade. I, I think there were probably about 20,000 people in this large building. There was a, a large meeting taking place, many, many pastors, many ministers, and Reinhard Bonnke was going to pray for everybody there, all the leaders and everybody in the building. Of course, he was going to pray for the sick. And it hit her in the heart, faith did. If I can get my dead husband to the meeting, God will raise him up. Okay, so, you know, she's going to need some help. I, I believe it was her father that helped her out. And so they, they get him in a vehicle, I think in an ambulance. Uh, they, take, they take the dead body to the meeting. Well, you know, no matter where you go, this is going to cause a problem. <laughs> Um, they thought, you know, when she shows up, there's security. There is, you know, um, also protocol staff. You just can't carry a, a casket into a meeting. That, you know, uh, that, that'll, how can I say it in a nice way? That'll cause a lot of normal people just to flip out and run out and leave. You can't, you can't do stuff like that. Um, they were talking with some associate pastors who came out to advise. They thought, well, maybe we could take the casket down into the basement then they think, no, 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 we can't take it to the basement of this large building because uh, the youth are having a conference down in the basement, and that, that we don't want the youth to be all upset seeing a dead body brought down in here. And then they ran into another problem with the security, because security was real tight. And the security members were not Christians. They were hired men from the, from the uh, government's protective services, uh, the special forces that were giving uh, military coverage and they thought, the security guys thought, there's a bomb uh, in the casket, and you're trying to sneak this casket in there and, you know, blow the meeting up. So they demanded that the casket be opened so that they could examine 
the inside of the casket. Well, they opened it up, and there's, you know, Pastor Daniel's dead body. <laughs> so, my goodness. So, they, they thought, okay, well, it's, it's definitely a dead body. It's a corpse. So, close the casket. And they took that casket in a little bit. Uh, but then they realized, let's do this. This will make it even easier to get the dead body in. Let's take the body out of the casket, all wrapped up, and take it to a small room, and just uh, get it into the room. Okay, now Reinhard Bonnke is ministering. He's preaching under a powerful, powerful anointing. And faith was real high in the meeting. And so the body is laying in this room as stiff and dead as just a dead body can be. Now, he, his spirit is in heaven. Spirit and soul are in heaven. And while in heaven, he was given a tour of the heavenly mansions, which were mind-boggling, um, beyond uh, anything that could ever be built on earth. The materials, some of the materials were made of light and gold, and things that you can't even use on the earth to use as a building type of material. And so he said it was just incredible. Saw flowers singing and worshiping the Lord, even, even in a sense clapping their hands. And he saw the saints worshiping the Lord, saw many angels, and uh, saw many wonderful, wonderful things. He was also taken by the angel down into hell. And he was shown the unbelievers being tormented in hell. And he was also shown one pastor, a man who had been a Christian pastor on the earth. And the pastor said, please get me out of here. I, I stole from the church all the time. I was always stealing money, but I'm ready to pay it back now. Maybe you can go back and pay the money for me, but I, get, get me out of here. And uh, just saw many, many things, saw many, um, many, many things. He saw a whole group of people that would eat themselves, consume themselves while they're burning, while they're in great agony. And after they had eaten themselves, they would be like, kind of like remade again and kind of go through the process all over again in great agony. And the angel said to Pastor Daniel, what you're seeing right there is uh, basically sowing and reaping. These are the ones while they were alive on the earth were involved in witchcraft and involved in human sacrifice. And in their sacrifices, they were required to eat human flesh. And now they are damned in hell. And now they will spend all eternity suffering, reaping for what they did. And because they never repented, they never made their life right with God. So he saw many, many things. And after that experience, he was told, he went back to heaven. He was told that he was going to have to go back to the earth the key reason, one of the key reasons, of course, being the woman's faith. But the Lord also said that He wanted to, He wanted this time to answer the rich man's request. Lord, see, remember the rich man talking to, talking to Abraham. Lord, if somebody from the dead would go back to the living, then they would believe. Well, you know, Abraham said, you know, they got the law, they have Moses, they have all the prophets. If they don't believe that, they're not going to believe even if somebody goes back from the dead. Okay. Well, the Lord in this situation said, I'm going to allow this generation to have someone come back who's been dead for three days and three nights and come back from the dead as a witness to the living. 
And so that was allowed to take place. Very, very interesting. Praise the Lord. So he was told that he was going to be sent back to his body. Well, let's go back to the church now in Nigeria. The meeting's taking place. Reinhard Bonnke is preaching. And some people have gathered around the dead body of Pastor Daniel, and they're praying for him. And they begin to pray, and they begin to pray, and they, there's an anointing, there's faith, and the, the wife is sitting there still holding on to the promise of Hebrews 11.35. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And they're all praying, and they kept on praying, and suddenly, suddenly the eyes, there was movement in the eyes. Suddenly, he began to breathe. And now, now, now ex excitement if faith is going through the roof, and uh, two of the pastors right next to him begin to massage his hands because his, his hands uh, had been uh, pumped full of embalming fluid along with other parts of his body, but his hands especially. And so they're massaging the hands, and one of the associate pastors said, I was massaging his hand when life struck back into his body, and now the hands are becoming warm and moving. He said, then I began to massage the neck, which was just as, it was like a rock, it was like a, like a, like a dead fish. And then he said, life shot back into the neck, and now the neck is warm and tender, and life begins to come back into the body. Now, now people are just streaming into this little room, and now they're trying to fan him and get a hair to him because everybody's coming in. And then they, they were also told that Reinhard Bonnke uh, had just finished preaching, and uh, now word circulating, a man has just been raised from the dead, and people by the thousands are streaming back into the, back into the building, and so they take him from that back room area, take him upstairs, and then they take him out onto the main platform, and they sit him there. And people that saw him come in as a dead corpse are now seeing, sit, they're seeing him sitting there in a chair. Now he has no idea what's going on. From his perspective, he thought he's only been gone for maybe like 15 minutes. Only 15 minutes have passed, and the last thing he remembered was being sent back to the earth, and he fell. He's just falling and falling and fell right back into his body. And it's like he just set up. And when he set up, he set up with such strength uh, from, that, from that place they had laid him at. Oh my goodness, but I'll tell you what, when they brought him out, and thousands of people saw this, there was a lady who was crippled in a wheelchair. When she saw that dead man that she had seen earlier, sitting there, breathing, looking, moving, she, she didn't get out of the wheelchair, she jumped out of the wheelchair and ran around and around and just running around and she grabbed her husband with such rejoicing and the husband said don't touch me don't touch me because he was so convicted see whole, holy all came into that place he was so convicted he said I'm a filthy sinner I've been living my life in sin he said don't touch me I'm afraid if you touch me I'm so sinful that you might lose your healing so he went straight to the altar and he began to repent and, uh, you know, it, it was just a time where the holy, awesome presence of God came in there. And, of course, this dear woman took her husband, Pastor Daniel, home. And, uh, you know, she's sitting there with him on stage, and she can see the injection points where he was pumped full with all of the solution to embalm him. I mean, this was a heavy miracle. This was a very, very validated miracle, a very beautiful story. My friends... God can give you faith 
God can give you promise. If He gives you the promise, He gives you that faith to believe it. That faith is a gift. So whatever He's told you, if it is really originating from God, I'm not, I'm not talking about something you make up. I'm not talking about something that, you know, is a soulish thing. You know, I'm talking about things that are pure, and you really get it from God. I'm telling you, if you really get it from God, the faith goes with that package. And you're, you can have it. Just use your faith, and you can do the same thing that that pastor's wife did for her husband. You can obtain promises, even if that promise is you will receive your dead raised back to life. And she, she did it. She obtained her promise. How? Through faith. Verse 33, who faith did all of these amazing things. That faith is a gift that you really need to use. You need to exercise. You need to open your mouth and say, this thing will come to pass in my life, and nothing will stop it, because God's in on this. And this will happen. This will happen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There, there's, a, there's a point. That faith is so strong. You're convinced. You, and you know it. Before you ever see it, you know it. And that's also when you're very, very close to that manifestation. Praise the Lord. Father, I pray for your people. Help them right now to identify those promises that can be obtained. Father, we thank you for this. We give you praise and glory. Father, let their testimony be added to the hall of faith, something that inspires others. Just like those who obtained their loved ones back from the dead, that inspired somebody to believe that they could have it. So, Father, let the testimony of what you're going to do in the life of the listener, in the life of the viewer, let it be something that when others hear it, faith will jump on them too. Faith will enter their heart, and they'll dare to believe that you can do it for them. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, over the next few days, you're probably going to hear a testimony. Somebody's going to share something that you're going to really connect with. Somebody is going to say, this is what God did for me. And it's just going to, it's going to go into you, woo, like a sharp sword. That's what the word is. It's the rhema. It is the sword of the Spirit coming into your heart, and it can di differentiate between spirit and soul. Oh, it can split it, absolutely. You, you, may, you may think they're so similar they can't. Oh, it can. It can let you know this is of God, or this is your soul, this is your, you know, don't worry about it. But I, I can tell you, that's, that sword of the Spirit comes in, and that, when you hear that, that true testimony, God wants to do it for you, I tell you what, you light up like, like a light bulb on the inside. Now that is a gift. Now you just use that gift and believe God. Praise God. And watch what God will do for you. Watch what God will do for you. You're going to have a testimony as well. Father, do it for your people. Thank you, Father. Let them connect with that obtaining promises, whatever it might be. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord 
is allowing right now there to be a, I would call a separation between those that are never going to believe. I'm not talking about believe that Christ is Lord, but that God will ever really do anything for, you know, His people. But God's causing you to move into a category with, with eagle saints. Oh yes, we minister to all the church. But you fellowship with, you talk with, you converse with, you hang with those that are people of faith. And God is causing there to be a separation where your faith is not going to get contaminated with people that are never really going to believe Him for anything except just basic salvation. And that's fine if that's where they want to be. But you are called to obtain promises. Therefore, there must be a holy quarantining of your faith, so that just all kinds of reports of doubt and unbelief, that stuff doesn't get into your spirit. But what gets into your spirit are, are the, the good words, the faith-building words of those who are also on assignment and using their faith to do what God has called them to do. Father, we give you praise. God's moving in you, you into a, a company of believers Hallelujah. Not doubters. Praise God. Some doubters you can, you can pull along and get them into faith. Others, they, they just, for whatever reason, they've made a choice. They, they just don't want to really, you know, just want to cruise, basically. Just cruise through life. Take the easiest path possible. Live, die, go to heaven. You know, thank God for the blood of Jesus that we can be saved. But we have things that we're called to do. We're going to touch the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we all must play our part. Glory to God. Father, strengthen your people. Let the word come. Let the testimony come. Let them hear the good report. And your spirit will bear witness that you'll do it for them. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. All of these people are just like you. All of them. Oh, those are the super saints. No, they're all just like you. I I'm telling you, Sarah made it. The one who laughed at God's promise. God gave this epic word knowing that, that, that faith is attached to it. There's a gift attached to it. You, you can believe. And she laughed. Well, eventually she got on board. She made it. You can make it. And many others who are far from perfect. Praise God. Step up and step in. God's going to do it for you. The Spirit's moving right now. Let's take communion today. Please join me today and take communion with me. Praise God. You know, there's all kinds of just promises God can put in your heart. It might not really mean anything to anybody else, but for you, it's a big deal. Yes, you better believe it's a big deal. This is your, this is your life. You know, when you stand before the Lord, you can't have somebody standing there before you. You know, no, this is you and the Lord one-on-one. -on -one. These things are a big deal. They're your, it's your life. It's the way God made you. It's what makes you tick. I was talking with a, a, a very well-known evangelist. He was ministering in a church in San Antonio. And he said, he said, Brother Stephen, he said, the pastor told me a really cool story. He said the pastor was traveling um, to this remote area to minister in South Africa. When he got there, he went to this little town. He'd already ministered in a very large city, but he's going to go to a small town. When he got to this small town, 
he had a great desire to have a lobster for, for lunch. So he said, well, I'm going to go to the only uh, restaurant in that town, because it's a small town, and I'm going to go there, and they're going to have a lobster for me. And he just had the faith of God that when he gets there, he's going to have a lobster. God, can you believe that? God put a desire on the inside of a pastor to have a lobster meal. And that pastor was like, I'm going to have a lobster meal. I just have a great desire to eat a lobster. And there's going to be a lobster for me at that restaurant. He goes to the restaurant, sits down, looks at the menu, and there's no seafood on the menu at all. The waiter comes up and says, what would you like? He said, I'd like a, a lobster. He goes, sir, we, we don't have any lobster here. He goes, no, you have a lobster here. He goes, no, we don't even have any seafood on the menu, as you can see. He goes, I know it's not on the menu, but he said, you have a lobster for me, and it is here in this restaurant. This is a true story. And the waiter said, I'll prove to you there's not a lobster here. I'll go back, and I'll talk to the chef, and he'll come out, and he'll tell you himself that there's no lobster here. He goes to the back, comes out with the chef. And the waiter has the most puzzled and confused look on his face. And the chef comes walking out with a lobster, a fresh lobster in his hand. Only one. For some reason, they had a lobster. I, I don't know how it got there. Who, who cares? I, I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe a vendor just said, hey, maybe you want to carry lobster. I've got one. Just try it out as a sample. I have no idea. But there was one lobster. And the chef said, we, we have one lobster today. The pastor said, well, of course you do. He said, cook it up. I'm ready to eat it. Woo! Obtaining promises. A lobster? Oh, that, that might not be important to somebody, especially if you're kosher and you can't eat shellfish. But it certainly was important to him. And it's just another way of understanding how God works. You cannot please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So whether it's a lobster, or a car, or your own house, or the wide gamut of all of these things that God could speak and say, I'll do this for you if you believe me. Wow. Hallelujah. I tell you, my friend, release your faith and believe God that He's going to do it. Father, we thank You for the bread and the juice. We consecrate it. We bless it. We thank You that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus, our Savior. Father, we're faith people. We receive this as the, the body and the blood of Jesus. Thank You, Father. We, we walk by faith, not by sight. By sight still looks like a wafer, still looks like grape juice. But Father, we thank You. We are now going to receive the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, help us to be people who trust You, believe You, and don't doubt You. You will be stretched, but never beyond Your faith. But God will stretch You in a very, very good way so that You can grow when you learn what faith is and how it works, you actually learn who God is and what it takes to please Him. Father, we thank You for the body of Jesus. We receive His body. We dare to believe that we, love, we will obtain the promises that You have given to us, because they're special to us. Father, we receive Christ now.
In His name, amen. Let's partake together. You inspire me. Let's partake together. Glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Pastor Daniel said that when he was in heaven, he saw the glories of heaven. Then the angel took him and showed him the agonies and the torments of the people in hell. And the angel told him, if your life were to end right now, you would not make heaven. He said, I'm a pastor. I've preached all over the, all over the nation. How can you tell this to me? Because he said, you, you, you never forgave your wife. You were really hard against your wife. She really sought your forgiveness and asked you for your forgiveness, and you just turned her away. You did not forgive her, and you harbored bitterness and unforgiveness against her. And remember the words of the Lord, if you will not forgive others, neither will the Lord forgive you. And you refuse to forgive your life, excuse me, your wife, therefore your sins are not forgiven. Mm. Woo! He's glad that he was given grace to go back with the message. If anybody has sinned against you, forgive them. And the Lord will forgive your sins just, just like that. Confess your sins to the Lord. He'll forgive you. Forgive anybody who sinned against you. And let the mercy of God flow. Ask, ask for mercy for, those, for the lives of those who have done you wrong. We all need the mercy of God. Hallelujah. Father, we receive the blood of Jesus and its cleansing power. Now we forgive anybody who has sinned against us. We ask that you would forgive us all of our sins. We give you praise. We thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us receive. Praise God. Glory to God. Identify those sacred and precious promises that are literally in your heart. It's who God made you to be. It's who God made you to be. Now, be careful. There's a lot of people that got a lot of carnal mixture, just a lot of carnal, soulish mixture. And they're actually trying to grab a hold of things that are not on God's menu for them. You really need to walk close to the Lord. Let the fire of God burn out of you anything that is not God's will for your life. And if it's not God's will for you to hold it, may your hand never touch it. May it never even go that direction. But those things God says, this is for you. May you take and receive every single one. And it's quite extensive and quite wonderful. We thank you, Father. Thank you. Possessing every promise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. My friends, you have some work to do. Go and obtain the promises that God has for you. Walk it out. It's a faith walk. You will have to have patience, but you move forward one step at a time. You'll, you'll eventually be there at the, at the finish line. Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.